Hi guys and welcome to the first ever Lowland League catch-up. Today we'll be talking about the goings on in the Scottish Lowland League and today I am joined by Moza. How are you doing buddy? I'm very good mate, how's yourself? Good. Um, I'm pleased that you've joined me today. Obviously this is just our first episode of this. We're going to see how it works out and you know basically give people information on the Lowland League business end of it. <laughs> of it. The game that we were both at, I think we, we promoted it quite quite a lot and had a <laughs> had a lot of banter with it, obviously. Um, which I think both the the clubs got involved with as well. So, <laughs> yeah, very entertaining game. Um, obviously, the result, Kelly Hearts won three two. Not quite to the prediction I was kind of goaded into making last week, but uh, yeah, Kelly Kelly Hearts won. Yeah. Um, so obviously, BSC home game, uh, really big game for the club. Uh, given that the the results haven't uh, been absolutely brilliant uh, at the start of the season, it's had a really tough start. Uh, same with Kelty, right enough. Neither team's really um, kind of going to get all the points that I wanted to get. I suspect. Agreed. Yeah. But uh, then, what I can only describe is the weirdest five minutes of football you'll see in the Lone League this year <laughs> uh, at the start of the second half, where firstly uh, managed to get it back to level pegging. Uh, when it was a uh, big Errol Douglas played a, a ball back to the keeper and he tried to essentially be a midfielder and dribble it past, I think it was Strachan. It was again. Adam Strachan, yeah. Um, Strachan got the foot in, got the ball, almost managed to miss an open goal <laughs> by putting it towards the keeper, uh, got the ball back, he managed to put it away and managed to, <laughs> like he ran off celebrating, uh, basically doing the few sign, which kind of said it all. Aye, aye. <laughs> And within about two minutes, again, another just calamity in the back, but this time for BSC, uh, crossing and big centre-back comes off his head, hits the post, the goalkeeper thinks it's gone wide, so Marshall kind of just <laughs> rooted to the spot and uh, big Scott Dale's there to, to tap it in. So if you've not had a chance to see the highlights, get onto KLT's YouTube channel and uh, they always do a really good job with them. Uh, so you'll see what we're trying to explain here because I don't think words will do, ever do it justice. This couple of minutes of football, we, we were treated to just sum the game up in a couple of sentences as that's the Lowland League at its best yeah. because it was rough and tumble, it was quick, there was goals, there was entertainment, there was goal-mouth scrambles. It was everything you want in a game uh, at that level. And Adam actually said, I'm sure he won't mind me re-quoting him, uh, especially if we throw a wee plug in for his blog that he's put his thoughts down on today. But uh, the quality was impressing him. Uh, as a guy that goes around these grounds and sees teams all the way through the non-league, he actually said he was pleasantly surprised with not just the entertainment, but the actual quality of the football on show as well, uh, which bodes well uh, going forward for, well, not just these two teams, but all the teams in the league. Going into the second game, mate, uh, you spoke about this uh, last week, about East Kilbride. They have dropped uh, their first points in the league against a university team, Edinburgh Uni, uh, with a really decent 1-1 mm-hmm. draw against uh, Kilby, the league leaders, obviously. Uh, Ross McNeil, our, our very man, uh, put them up for 11 minutes, and Abdul Youssef, with a, from what I heard, a cheeky lob uh, just before half-time, but it looked like Edinburgh did manage to hold on for the draw. Yeah, yeah, um, well... <laughs> this this story's going on arms and legs about a uh, wee Abdul, I think, because 
Uh, initially, I'd heard it was basically Craig Reid had the ball in defence for East Kilbride, uh, lost possession to Yusuf, and he's managed to lob it right in. But it started off being 25 yards, and I think it's now 40 or 50 yards that went in from, from what I've seen <laughs> on social media. But um, our pal uh, from the, the Lone League website, Alistair, was at the game, Alistair Wollaston, and he, uh, he remarked that Abdul Yusuf is now his favourite Lone League player because it was um, <laughs> it was an almost Berbatov-esque no celebration, just I did that, let's get on with it, um, which sounds pretty glorious, especially when you're scoring against the uh, the league leaders and what many people think will be the, the runaway champions, but yeah, it just shows they're, they're not infallible and the same as last year, a university side again has managed to take points off them, so it'll give hope to all the other teams in the chasing pack who maybe have already dropped a few points here and there uh, and especially for Dorian and Edinburgh Uni, I, I say it every single year, the job he does, given that he's got to get a brand new group of guys and he always loses top players every year to um, either kind of competitive clubs or SPFL or just leaving the uni full stop, he has done a brilliant, brilliant job there the last few years moulding squads, getting them competitive and well they're, they're pretty comfortably Lowland League uh, stalwarts at this point. We're also joined by Michael Park, the media and communications at Ge- uh, Geosonic Lowland League and also BSE Glasgow. How are you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, obviously, your first time on the, the podcast, Michael. I think you're. Can we put you down as co creator for it as well? You did kind of sort of help. Um, I'd, I'd love to take all the credit because that's the kind of person that I am. <laughs> But no, I mean, you came to me with the idea and it was something that we'd been kind of batting about and we didn't have, what's the best way to put it, the time to do it ourselves. Um, And then you guys came along and you were like, we could do this. And I was like, oh my God, yes, my people. Um, So it's entirely in your courts. Plus that way, if you get into trouble, I can't take the blame for it. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, So obviously, (laughs) myself and Moz have been discussing every week, you know, our thoughts on teams, thoughts on the league. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the sort of start of the season on the league? How how are things going, basically? I mean, obviously, uh, there's been some negative sides of things with uh, that's kept us pretty busy with Selkirk and whatnot, which is obviously a pity. But in terms of the actual football, it's been really exciting. And in terms of the sort of engagement that we've had from supporters and people coming to the uh, coming completely fresh to the Lowland League, there seems to be a lot of excitement. Um, I think that possibly there's some teams who will be down the bottom end of the table who will feel like they're due a resurgence. Um, there's some teams up the top who are possibly going to get a nosebleed. So it's turning out to be a really exciting start to the season. I mean, we're obviously sort of, well, some teams are four games away from it, but some teams are just two away from having played a third of the season already. So it's exciting. I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, you talked obviously about uh, sort of fan engagement and whatnot. Uh, obviously, we're all sort of involved with the media team um, and yourself, obviously, kind of sort of uh, top of it, basically. But um, if anyone was wanting to sort of get involved at sort of Lowland League level or maybe uh, involved with the clubs, is there any advice you can sort of give on how one would sort of go uh, sorry, to get involved, if you will? Absolutely. Um, probably the most important thing that we have in the Lowland League is volunteers, uh, whether that's like guys like yourselves doing the media team, uh, whether it's people at clubs who 
run the turnstile, run the tea stand, run absolutely anything on a match day and in between. Um, the one thing that I would say from working in the league and working with a club is these people are the lifeblood of the league and they're what makes it special. Um, with that in mind, if you want to do media for a club and you or you want to join the Lowland League media team, then come talk to me. Um, you can get me on the Lowland League Twitter or you can get me my own Twitter, which I'm sure I'll be able to plug later on <laughs> before Moza, hopefully. Um, or, you know, like find my email address on the website and shoot me an email. And even if you want to get involved with a club, I can try and help you and speak to clubs on your behalf and that kind of thing. So it's always my pleasure to get more people involved working with clubs and working with the league because I love it and I really like spreading that joy obviously under the radar in the league, but Gretna, what a result that was. Uh, 2-1 over Edisport. Uh, their third win in a row, uh, including the two cup games they played in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Daniel Fitzpatrick after 31 minutes. And what an ending this is. Uh, Jordan Alexandre for Edisport in the 90th minute, and then uh, Kevin Connolly in uh, the 91st minute. From uh, It was from Kev that I got the information, but he said it was a 30-yard rocket. Uh, we'll take... We'll have to take his word with it, obviously, because he's not been at the game. But what a result! What a result for Gretna that is. I've um, I've not heard from Kevin today or seen him on Twitter. I'm sure it's forty yards by now. But um, <laughs> aye, it sounds like he scored a bit of a belter, and he's not got a goal the last couple of games. So it's good for him to get back on track, uh, given that he is well. He was there, Mister Goals last season, but uh, it's a somewhat ending, like you say, to it. And we we actually said on the previous podcast it'll be interesting to see if Gretna turn their cup form into league form. Yep. And they've gone and done it, especially against a team in edgy sport that were looking pretty decent, let's be honest, and they still are. Um, but flying under the radar, just picking up points quietly. So it's a cracking result for them. And they could have easily dropped the heads with that 90th minute equaliser, but they've picked themselves back up and gone and won the game right at the, the death. And, uh, well, all power to them. I love it. Um, I think we spoke about it previously, but I love it how uh, whoever's running the Gretna, Gretna uh, Twitter is obviously tweeting at us, letting us know about the results, uh, <laughs> which I really appreciate because at the end of the day, we've not had uh, much to say about them in terms of way of results. Uh, so I totally accept that, you know, um, that, yeah, look, we've done this. You, need, you guys need to talk about it and give it the credit it's due. <laughs> and quite rightly so. It's a brilliant result from Gretna and it's sort of... It doesn't create much distance between the sort of bottom clubs, but certainly it gives them a wee bit of breathing space in terms of, uh, you know, the league and, you know, from the White Hills, the Dalbeaties and whatnot, so. Yeah, it gives a wee bit of cushion um, because when you look at the table now, I know they're, they're still sitting 13th, so they're still in danger kind of at the bottom, but there is a five-point gap there now and they've got a game in hand on White Hill, so every point's important at that side of the table. And if they pick up another couple of wins, it might not be downwards or looking. They might be looking up towards mid-table and um, kind of try and cement things up that side of things. Definitely. And it's it's a, a tough loss for Edisport, obviously. We we uh, we kind of touched on it, but mm. that could have really consolidated them as a potential challenger uh, at the top end. Uh, so that is such a tough loss for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they're never say never, but it's, uh, it's a tough one to take. Absolutely. So getting into the first game, Gala uh, beating champion Spartans 3-1. It was a, an, a fantastic result for Gala, obviously. I did feel uh, last week that they could possibly get a result there. 
and uh, it didn't start well for them obviously Spartans David Greenhill uh, had a chance early on in the first half but it was rattled off the bar Jamie Dishington who we've often spoke about um, were so close to becoming known as the Jamie Dishington fancast uh, before half time from inside the box made it 1-0 Spartans but what a second half from Gala Uh, Sean McCurdy from a quick free kick Um, Rory Payton who's obviously on loan from Hibs he's bang on form with the second to make it 2-1 Jack Smith had the ball in the net, but it was uh, denied an equaliser as the ref and linesman conferred to give an offside, despite, uh, from what I heard, no earlier frag. So Spartans might have a bit of a cause for a bit of frustration there, certainly. But uh, Gala, the victory was sealed with uh, Tommy Patterson getting a free kick. So it's a fantastic one for Gala. Definitely my game of the weekend. Uh, Certainly certainly, um, Spartans' unbeaten record comes to an end and they also lose top spot. Any issues with this going top of the bill, Moza? Well, you, you kind of have to put it top of the bill. Uh, with the, it's, it's a bit of a stunning result for Gala, let's be honest. Um, because in, when we spoke about this game and the run-up to it, we were talking about how Spartans just seem to get the job done. They're pretty clinical. Uh, they very, very rarely can see three goals. So it, it just shows you that Gala had a bit of a slow start, and we talked about that a few times. But they've run into a wee bit of form, and... That's you, you can't argue with that result against a team of uh, of Spartans calibre that have been there, done that, and are reigning champions at the end of the day. We do have one fixture that was postponed, the old weather watch coming into winter now. Uh, Delby mm-hmm. Star versus BSC Glasgow was postponed due to what I heard was a bit of a storm. Uh, so Yeah, <laughs> I believe the phrase was uh, horizontal rain. So that <laughs> <laughs> kind of tells you how wild it was. Um, but yeah, it's just one of these things. You expect at this time of year the, the weather's going to start turning. Um, but no doubt they'll get it rearranged in pretty good time and go from there. Yeah, uh, and just on that note, I noticed a lot of our colleagues, uh, Craig Edwards and uh, Alistair, uh, were caught up in uh, some of the the games over the Lowland League and the weather wasn't particularly great at them either. So, (laughs) (laughs) Good old-fashioned Scottish football's back. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Great. We'll start with, as I say, we'll start with the early kick-off. It was Whitehill Welfare versus uh, Vale of Leven. Uh, Kyle Mitchell with the free kick into the box uh, with Sean Lally there with the header put in Whitehill welfare up in eight minutes uh, Vale were down to ten men with David Bonner sent off for a rash challenge uh, from behind on Kyle Mitchell just before half time on 41 minutes the second half kind of lit up a wee bit Lyle Smith uh, with a cracking f- free kick equalised for Vale in the 59th minute and Kyle Mitchell put Whitehill welfare ahead again on the 75th minute uh, he controlled the ball and hammered it home after Liam McIntosh shot went off the post um, Whitehill Welfare did have a goal disallowed in the 86th minute uh, it wasn't given uh, Mark Malloy was flagged for offside and a bit of a heartbreak moment for Whitehill Welfare uh, 89th minute it was a goal for Vale Paul Dixon header at the back post from a corner very very tough game um, uh, although they got a point out I'm sure Whitehill Welfare would have uh, wanted the win there very very uh, tough fixture against Vale You've got to feel for them. You really do, because we've said that week in, week out recently that they need to find their first three points from somewhere uh, in a while and get moving. And it looked like they had it. They were so close. They had everything in their favour. They'd actually gone away to Vail, bear in mind, which is no easy place to go this season. Uh, we know what they're capable of in terms of goal scoring. And getting them down to 10 men, being 2-1 up, getting flagged offside with less than five minutes to go to go two goals to the good 
and then conceding in the last minute it's an absolute heartbreaker for them and uh, to my game of the week uh, everyone was wrong about this one yeah. <laughs> I know uh, Stolen Uni uh, retweeted it so I might have been a bit of bias there but uh, Vale leaving move. versus University of Stirling it was 1-0 Vale Quite a remarkable game, actually. Uh, 25 minutes played, it was an own goal to put uh, Vela leaving 1-0 up. Liam Ireland, who we praised last week, Moza, he had a penalty saved by uh, University of Stirling keeper Kevin Walker. Uh, shout out to Chris Geddes, the gaffer got a run out, uh, 65 minutes played. Uh, 75th minute played, uh, it was a penalty to Stirling Uni with Ross Gilpin saving and uh, just before the end of the game it was another uni penalty and another Gilpin save so three uh, penalty three save penalties um, from what I've heard Sterling by their own admission couldn't buy a goal apart from the one they gave to Vale uh, we've talked about this before mate obviously um, for whatever for whatever reason they create a lot of chances but sometimes they just cannot get a goal this is a bit of a freak game though isn't it it's a tale of two keepers who have both played absolutely fantastic football by the sounds of it. Um, and ultimately, Vale have won it by, from Sterling's admission, a goal they've gifted to them um, with a, just a kind of slip at the back, um, but a slack defending. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really hard one to give feedback on, I'll be honest, just because yep. it's it, one of these games when there's so many penalties... I think the only thing you can do is give credit to the keepers and move on to next week and see if they can they can find other ways of getting the ball in the back of it, you know? Getting into the game we were at, Moza. Uh, Sterling Uni, obviously a bit of a bogey team uh, for Civil. I don't think they've ever taken a point after them. But that changed on Saturday. They won 1-0. Uh, Hammy, a.k.a. Ian Ballantyne, fires Civil ahead on the stroke of half-time to make it uh, 1-0 Civil. There wasn't really much to talk about in the game apart from perhaps... Uh, uh, Josh Donaldson wearing pink. <laughs> um, yeah, his strip was too similar to Sterling Uni's. He had the the green socks, the green shorts, and a, a like almost like a Palermo top. I think I mentioned. Uh, there was a wee bit of a banter uh, between the 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 Twitter accounts, if you will. Uh, obviously, the Sterling Uni chaplain missed the start of the second half due to the three mile walk. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think, <laughs> quote unquote. I think, uh, what did I describe it to you as, mate? I think a Lord of the Rings adventure trying to get to. It, so I can, I can see where he's coming. I see where he's coming from uh, there. Uh, but you know, great from Civil as well. Not quite three miles. The joys of playing teams with their own ground, I suppose. <laughs> so brilliant comeback. Um, yeah, the wind really hampered this game. I think uh, both teams played. Fairly decent football given the conditions. It was kind of similar at the Spartans Kelty game. Though it was windy, it was rainy, uh, very hard for for players to to really put anything together in terms of uh, attempts on goal or what. Um, several took took their chance. That's I think that was the difference. We did kind of. Yeah. I think uh, Rory McEwen had a really good game for Stirling Uni as well as. Um, Matthew Burrows, he's, his long throws were uh, pretty much effective, uh, putting pressure on Civil, but yeah, well well deserved for Civil. I think they were overall the better team and uh, thoroughly deserved the, the win. Um, obviously, I thank you to the, the guys at Strollers who made us feel really welcome and no doubt we'll be back. Definitely, Moza. And obviously, I think Andy Mayer and uh, Craig Newell's really done well, as well as, uh, got to mention Kyle Fee as well, and... Uh, <laughs> 
Kerr Allen, I was winding him up uh, a wee bit uh, before the game, obviously on Twitter. Uh, I forgot how big he is, actually, so <laughs> maybe he won't be teasing him anymore. <laughs> but we would have loved to have had a chat with the guys. I'm sure I'm sure we'll have our, our chance, but there wasn't really much to talk about in the game, eh? No, it was, it was one of those that I think they were just happy to get the three points and get back into the dressing room and thaw out at the yep. end of the day. Um I, you mentioned Andy Mayer there. For for me, he was the best player in the park. Yep. Um, just he's um, for a guy at this this level to have really decent technique. Like he's got, he's com- always comfortable. He never looks kind of under pressure or or whatnot. And he's 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 more of an attacking threat, isn't he? Like even though he's a left back, he's pretty much a wing back or going into a winger. Um, and he's just he's got something about him. Um, it's. It's simple as that. He's one of these players that he can win a game for you with one good cross in or one good pass through. Um, just really impressed with him. Full stop. And uh, we have to obviously mention uh, Kerr Allen. He had a bit of skills on display in the second half, I noticed. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're top four and they're looking good. Uh, my only concern would be the fact that uh, it's going to be really tough against Spartans, the way they, they played. But Sybil, again, straight up there as well. Uh, can't take anything away from them. And obviously, it was our first day out, Moz. I mean, I think a lot of people maybe got put off with the wind as well, but all in all, in all, it was great. I was happy with my Greg's Tuna Crunch. Uh, no sponsors there, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was fantastic. We obviously had a, a really good time, I think, at Strollers. Um, but yeah, the, the boys were having a munch after the game, and I didn't really exactly want to disturb them, Matt, <laughs> to, to disturb the sandwiches. <laughs> I don't get in the way of hungry, hungry footballers. <laughs> but no, it's, um, it's obviously something we've talked about that we're going to start doing um, more and more uh, with the different teams that we've not been able to visit as yet. Um, given that, well, not just uh, myself and you, but obviously Sean now in, in the pod as well, I think it's important that we get to see as many of the teams in, um, in the flesh as possible. Uh, so, well, no doubt we'll make, we'll make arrangements to get to other teams as we go and um, well, just get an idea of exactly kind of what else is out there in the league and the experiences as well because I think it's important that we give every ch- club a chance to kind of put themselves out there and what they're about and hopefully help to get another couple of bodies in on, a, on the gate. The Star have came through a really tough slate of games and they've done fantastically well to get what they've got out of them. I don't think many people would have expected them to come through these games and not get beaten. So... Um, but far from avoiding defeat and kind of clinging on to a draw, it sounds like they were unfortunate not to beat Spartans. Yep. Ultimately. Um, as uh, the Spartans' Twitter account said, Carswell pulled off an absolute brilliant save from Milligan uh, in the, the kind of dying 10 minutes or so. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, you've got to give credit to Zalbiti when the chips have been down, end of the season, welfare, kind of fighting for their lives and trying to catch up with them, start of hit the gas pedal and have gone and done what they had to do to basically avoid bottom spot all um, all things considered and potentially maybe even get off a of 14th uh, so yeah great run of results for them yeah Brian mate and we'll just move on straight to Saturday's game Dalbiti Star 2 uh, BSC Glasgow 1 another fantastic result for Dalbiti uh, a few changes for BSC Ben Quigley replaced Carlo Pignatello in a different position Me- meanwhile there was a uh, uh, debutants Jordan Marshall, uh, formerly of Cumbernauld Colts, and Thomas Collins uh, were on the bench for BSC. 
Uh, early chance, gorgeous ball over to the top from Declan Hughes. Gets into the path of uh, Tamor, but his strike is well parried by Vinnie Parker's face. That must have been a sore one. Um, 16 minutes, Ben Irvine gets some space on the edge of the box and uh, cracks the BSC bar. Uh, ben Irving and Robbie McNabb get into what could be described as a, as a disagreement in the BSC half. Um, I believe Ross Smith uh, was actually booked in that sort of confrontation, if you will, for dissent. Yeah. Uh, 31 minutes, uh, Star put, put it out for a throw and one of the spectators goes flying backwards over a wheelie bin as he goes to catch the ball. Just to point out at that point as well, it wasn't any old spectator as well, it was a Queen of the South's third choice keeper, I'm led to believe. <laughs> so he um, made a spectacular save just to let people know that he's he's still available, you know. Has the wheelie bin sent off for that? Or does anyone know? Oh, uh, he lost the punchline in that. <laughs> but, um, yep, 35 minutes, uh, penalty star Liam Park bursts through on goal and flicks the ball on as Ryan Marshall comes out to claim it. The star number seven goes over and Lewis Sloan scores the result in spot kick to put star 1-0 up. Marshall did go the right way, but he couldn't quite reach it. It was a half-time substitution for BSC, Ben Quigley coming off and Thomas Collins comes on to make his debut for BSC. Two minutes later, uh, he scores with his first touch for BSC to to get the equaliser there. Uh, Declan Hughes angled a gorgeous... Everything, everything Declan does is gorgeous, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you might notice that Michael Park quite likes Declan. <laughs> Declan Hughes angled a gorgeous 30-yard volley onto Martin Graham, who headed it down for Collins to tap in at the near post. <laughs> description of the goal there. Uh, 50 minutes, Ewan O'Reilly has the ball in the back of the net with an amazing accidental uh, lob of Finney Parker but the ref pulls it back for a free kick uh, not sure what for uh, <laughs> and it was a goal for Star Scott Milligan turns beautifully as the ball comes into the box his twisting header beats Ryan Marshall to put um, they'll be 2-1 up there and give them the lead uh, 88 minutes Thomas Collins goes into the referee's book for descent before Ross Smith is sent off and that was pretty much the end of the game Del Beatty depending on who you ask uh, completely deserved the win there uh, by the sense of things but it's, as we mentioned a great run by Del Beatty is there a bit of pressure on a wee bit for BSC you know the run finally over 19 matches un- incredibly uh, they went undefeated but obviously that's came to an end there. So yeah, it was a great review of the game from Martin Green, I noticed. Um, <laughs> and obviously Curtis Wilson disagreed. Yeah, it was an interesting back and forth, wasn't it? Um, I suspect the two of them have got very different opinions on the way that they'll be to play football, which always uh, <laughs> uh, I'll let you go and find it yourselves on Twitter if you're that way inclined. But that that's the other thing I do love about this league. Guys are quite happy to say what they think. Um, I actually retweeted Green at that point saying, You've got to love the fact that he just doesn't care what people think about what his <laughs> opinions are. He's putting his opinion out there. Um, but yeah, uh, all things considered, I think um, from everything I've kind of picked up on, Dalbiti did deserve uh, the, the three points, ultimately. As I said on Twitter, like they've just went out the last sort of few games and and uh, done what they've had to do, basically. And uh, obviously Dalbiti uh, mentioned the fact that they wish it would have been the start of the season, not the end, but uh, nah, <laughs> fair, fair play to them. Absolutely uh, well-deserved, uh, the last few results. Well, to give you an indication, I was um, I was doing some streaming on Saturday and somebody asked me what I thought about the BSC game and uh, I actually said at that point I fancied Albita to do something, to at least get a point. And that's a sea change from where we were even a month ago in this podcast. 
Yeah. Um, you just wouldn't have seen them picking up points against th- these teams. So um, you've got to give credit to the guys and the gaffer altogether. We, as a trio, went to the East Kilbride Spartans game where Kelby ultimately uh, went ahead and clinched the, the league title. Um, we're joined by Ronan, who runs the slfl.co.uk website as well now. I chatted after it. But uh, it was a cracking game uh, to get along to, and a really decent crowd uh, uh Kelby as well. Started off with six minutes on the clock, Jason Stevens um, firing at goal from the edge of the box, but Willie Muir dealt with it pretty comfortably. Um, Paul Woods then got his first sight of goal in 10 minutes for uh, Kilby, 25 yards out, but it could, couldn't get the stride down basically, so he couldn't trouble Carswell at all. A uh, few minutes later, Sean Winter got his opening. He headed wide from a cracking BJ Cole cross. Um, he was unmarked and he got up well, so you could tell he was kind of disappointed not to at least hit the target. And straight afterwards, again, Winter this time providing crossing in for Craig Malcolm. I'm not quite sure how he did it, but he managed to scoop it over the bar from 12 yards. But uh, it was all one way at this point. Um, 22 minutes then on the clock. Brady strike, firstly, saved well by Blair Carswell. And uh, straight afterwards, pretty much, Malcolm had a header cleared off the line. So uh, it was looking as if it was going to be a bit of a route at this stage if they got the first goal. Spartans then began to get a wee bit of a foothold and kind of calm things down. A wee bit of handbags on a half hour mark with um, Holmes and McFarlane booked for just kind of <laughs> falling out with each other, shall we say. And uh, otherwise, again, it was still Kelby chances the end of the first half that Brady had a shot deflected into the path of Proctor. He showed why he's a centre back at that point and blazed the ball completely out of the ground. When it might have been easier to hit the target. Um, <laughs> apologies, big man. <laughs> and uh, straight after a kind of rapid counter attack, Malcolm really should have scored one and one. But we need to give the credit to Blair Carswell, who had a really decent night in nets for Spartans. Um, kind of proving why he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Uh, there was only really one other chance, um, with Maxwell creating space for a shot, but um, kind of. Finishing the half as it starts for Spartans, getting a, a half chance straight to the keeper, though, who dealt with it comfortably. And half time, no, no. At that point, I think, kind of looking at it, Sean, we were. We thought Kelby were the better team overall in the first half, but Spartans certainly came to play. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and then straight into the, the second half, then, it was actually Spartans that started the better, in all honesty, because. Jamie Dishington, within the first few minutes of the, the second half, was collecting balls. He drove one of them up to 25 yards out, had a pop, and it was just past the top corner. It was a cracking attempt. Um, but then Kilby do what they do. They approached an hour mark. Woods and Malcolm started into play and played a 1-2. Unfortunately for Woods, he then leant back when he was striking the ball and went slightly over the top. But it was a sign of what was to come because the goal came just as the hour mark approached. Uh, the f- opening goal, Craig Malcolm, that man again, sticking it in the back of the net. Five minutes later though, at this point Jack Smith came on for Spartans and largely changed the game. Um, he almost nipped in straight off. BG Cole just thwarted him. Um, but basically he was making dart runs in behind. Um, the UK backline and getting a bit of joy. Again, a minute later, he had another chance very similar 
forcing Muir this time to make a save to his near post. And in the 68th minute, finally, it happened. Spartans got their equaliser through McDonald. Um, Smith, with a bad touch, it came perfectly through to McDonald, though, and he drilled it into the bottom corner. If you ask Smith, though, I suspect he'll probably tell you he meant it as a pass, but um, mm. we'll see. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 1-1. And it, at that point, it looks like it might be another game to wait for these Kilbride, but they just kind of did what they all good champions do. They got moving again. Um, Malcolm had another chance, but again, put it over the bar from a knockdown in the box. And uh, the big moment came with just over 10 minutes left. Sean Winter in the back post. Ball broke to him. It looks like it got stuck under his feet, but he did enough to get it out and smash it into the net. Cracking goal. 2-1. And to be honest, from there it looks more likely that Kelby would extend it. Um, Malcolm dinked it over the keeper and just over the bar in the last kind of five minutes. There was one big chance for Spartans where Brown had a shot um, that landed on the roof of the net, dip and volley kind of thing. And that was it, basically. Um, and I guess the only other thing to mention was that David Brown made some f- friends with the locals, but it was a, it was a cracking game for the neutrals. And uh, we did get a chance to speak to Kelby manager Stuart Malcolm after the game. And really nice guy. Um, thanks again mate, for giving us time after the game, um, especially when all the boys, including the aforementioned Sean Winter, were celebrating <laughs> in the background to hear them. We'll start with the Football Nations qualifying cup final, uh, Spartans versus Cayman. It was two second half goals from David Greenhill and Adam Corbett which saw Spartans end their season on a high, beating Camelon Juniors to lift the cup. Uh, Forrester Park, the home of Tranan Juniors, uh, was the setting for the final. Uh, perfect playing uh, surface uh, from the East Lovian side, which uh, says a lot, obviously. They have to be congratulated, I think, uh, for their pitch condition. Simply, you know, it's this late in the season, it's good to see that. Uh, there was no sort of clear-cut chances in the, in the first half, it was, so at the halftime it was nil-nil. An early second-half injury saw Jack Smith replaced by 16-year-old Nicky Reid, the youngster who started in the under-20 side this season almost made the ultimate impact when he got to the end of Blair Atkinson's run, only to see his shot go narrowly wide. The deadlock was broken on the 65th minute. Nicky Reid forced his way into the box where the ball broke to David Greenhill on the edge of the box and the midfielder slammed a stunning half volley into the corner, sending the spark in his faithful into raptures, I like that. Cayman uh, <laughs> looked to find uh, a way back into the tie and were close to living uh, proceedings through Jordan Heron, but uh, he headed past Blair Carswell's post. The miss proved to be costly as keeper Dean Shaw could only parry Scott Maxwell's shot into the path of Adam Corbett, who headed into an unguarded net from 18 yards with 13 to go on the clock. Cayman's uh, afternoon looked... Like it couldn't get any worse, uh, goalkeeper Dean Shaw was uh, saw red uh, for foul and abusive language towards the standing linesman. So Spartans, champions of the Football Nation Qualifying Cup, as I mentioned, a, a really great way to to uh, to complete the season. Uh, commiserations to Camelon, obviously. I think you were at the Camelon game when they played Kelty. They looked like a decent outfit. Um, Dean Shaw, obviously, unfortunately, gets sent off there. He's usually the... A, a big a big sort of character and goals for them so uh, not a great way to, to finish off the season uh, in the cup final for them but it's good to see people like Nicky Reid uh, play certainly I mean he's he's kind of been a bit of a revelation 
towards the end of the season. Really talented young footballer and 16-year-old. He's not the biggest of stature either and he seems to be able to, to handle himself. It just shows that the young guys, the sparrings that get a chance, uh, seem to be doing uh, bits. I liked their video. I don't know if you managed to see it, Sean. The video that they done on the cup final, it was... Uh, Pretty nice. Yeah, I did. I thought I thought it was a nice it was a nice touch there, and it's uh, Spartan's Twitter guy just showing again that I don't think there's anything that guy can't do. Um, <laughs> sitting doing their Twitter, their photos. Now he's dabbling in a bit of video editing, so we might see him playing next season. Who knows? <laughs> so getting into the Lowland League Cup, uh, BSC Glasgow versus East Stirlingshire. It's played at East Peffermill, obviously the, the home of fellow Lowland League team Edinburgh University. From what I saw of the first half, but it looked like BSC were on the ascendancy. Uh, they did take the lead on the 32nd minute. Cammy Ballantyne puts it away, firing low beyond Jamie Barclay. It was a really tidy finish, actually. Uh, and just before half-time, Martin Green puts it away after Tamor's shot is deflected off the defender. So it looked really comfortable for BSC from the, the first half, from what I saw. Uh, second half, Shire sort of came out and, you know, done fantastically well to sort of change the the way the game was going. It was a, a goal in the 55th minute. It was a wild strike. It took a, a bit of a deflection off a BSC player. It didn't really catch who it was, but it looped into the goal. Shire back into the game and three minutes later, Ben Quigley is sent off for BSC after a last man challenge. I... We had a bit of a debate, <laughs> all the guys around us. There was a few uh, Kelty boys there as well uh, watching the game. I don't think they'll mind me saying, but uh, yeah, we obviously had was Kelty in the morning and then I sort of made this game, so a few of the other boys decided to, to jump along. But I didn't think it was a sending off because of the whole change in the rule. He was last man, but I don't think it was a clear-cut goal chance, so I think Ben was a wee bit harsh. Uh, some other people saw it as a sending off. Uh, I can't remember what Mozza said, I, I think. He saw it as a sending off, I think, yeah, which was a bit weird coming from a BSC fans. But yeah, either way, they went down to 10 men. It kind of died down a wee bit, Shire, I think. Uh, BSC sort of done well with 10 men. Uh, the game, yeah, it just sort of died out a wee bit. Uh, it looked like Shire were sort of... It just it wasn't going to be their day sort of thing. Uh, the gaffer did come on in the 81st minute, uh, replacing David McGaughey, obviously. Dell... Uh, two minutes later, he, <laughs> he, he put on this this really rough challenge against uh, Declan Hughes and got booked. Uh, two minutes being on the pitch, obviously a bit typical of the gaffer there, but um, you know it is what it is. Uh, Shire did have a massive chance right at the end of the game. Um, Andy Rogers he blasts a header wide just from a, a corner, but it was so so close. I think it might even touch the post if I remember right. But really, I think BSE deserved winners. Obviously, Paolo, Martin Green, he loved every minute of it. Um, you know, I, I think we we say a lot about BSC, uh, mainly because, well, I certainly do, obviously, because of Moza, he's a fan of BSC, you kind of give him a wee bit of stick here and there, but for the short time they've been in existence as a club, their their tra uh, trophy cabinet is certainly filling up. Uh, they're streetwise as a team, they've got a lot of characters in there. I thought uh, Martin Green obviously had a, a really good game, Tamor. Uh, Ross Smith, I thought was pretty decent. Uh, you know, guys, guys that are you know that will do well for them. Yeah, as I say, street, streetwise, physical football. You know, it was their best ever league finish. They were top scorers in the league uh, by one, I think, from East Kilbride. Fantastic way for Swift and the lads to to finish off the season. Really, we've got a few talking points obviously this week, but we'll get into them a wee bit later. Uh, 
obviously the talking points war uh, Rangers right are not giving the guard of honour to Celtic <laughs> <laughs> obviously joking about that um, the real talking point was obviously uh, who's going to die in tonight's Game of Thrones episode <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how well the Game of Thrones chat. East Kilbride aren't going to have to play Cove again in next year if they win the league. Because it ended 4 0 to Cove. So it, it wasn't just a win, it was an absolute demolition. It was four going on six or seven from the reports that were there. Charlie Mann was there for BBC Scotland and he was pretty effusive in his praise um, for, for the wee. The Highland Rangers, I should say, no, the Wee Rangers, because they're both Wee Rangers. It's another interesting dynamic to throw into the kind of brief previews we've looked at already about these teams and how they're going to shape up and what their aims and ambitions are going to be. Uh, it looks like we might have the the borders to throw in here as well. Myself and Sean, when we saw Cove, we expected them to go up um, with relative ease, and so it seems to be proven. Yeah, agreed. I absolutely agreed, uh, Moza. I think the only thing I'm really sweating is when to follow them from the catch-up because I don't, <laughs> I don't know how much uh, how much they're going to enjoy coming down to the long link, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll give it a few weeks after it, and then I'll give them a wee follow. Uh, just All to, we need to do is get Shire to explain it's not the end of the world. Yep, exactly. And again, it's I think it's always tough. Like from knowing the guys at Shire, I think they found it very tough. You know, obviously coming to this league, but speaking to some of the fans. Uh, throughout the season, they've obviously said we really enjoy this league. We're actually, you know, winning yeah. uh, from a, a tough position before, maybe in league football. So again, it's like what you said; it's not the end of the world. Uh, and um, hopefully, they'll they'll enjoy being in the lone league. Welcome to the party, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get into our team of the season. Of the posers, lots of votes for. Uh, we can definitely tell who the popular boys are <laughs> in the league now. Uh, for keeper. It was uh, Blair Carswell, obviously the Spartans keeper, 50% of the vote, uh, the cat. Another Spartans boy, um, uh, the skipper, right back, Mikey Heard, uh, Adam Corbett. It was getting a wee bit embarrassing. <laughs> Spartans guys, obviously very popular. Uh, Angus Mailer of Stirling Uni. Uh, Kier McCauley at left back was an interesting one. It was over 500 votes on this, obviously a very popular boy. Um, it was close with Gary Chen uh, of Spartans as well, so... Uh, another Spartans boy at right mid, Jamie Dishington. Uh, Declan Hughes at centre uh, centre mid for BSC. Lewis Hunter of Stirling Uni. Blair Lyons with 50% of the boat for Stirling Uni at left mid as well. Rudy Payton of, um, of Gala, obviously unknown from Hibernian. And Stuart Cargill, uh, the other forward there. Well, I think all the boys deserve to be mentioned, especially Angus Mailer. I don't think he would have been... Uh, obvious for a lot of people because obviously there's a lot of good centre backs, but mm-hmm. the fact that he played over f- 50 games this season for Sterling Uni, he deserved to be mentioned, and I'm glad he's made the the viewers team or if whatever we're calling it, uh, manager obviously Chris Geddes uh, of Sterling Uni. So we've got a bit of a Spartan Sterling Uni thing going there. Obviously the two Kelty boys, uh, Rudy Payton of Gala, uh, De- Declan Hughes of BSC, uh, but. Spartan Junior, I think, <laughs> most of the team, <laughs> uh, very popular. So, uh, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Probably no too many surprises in there, to be to be perfectly honest. Um, Kieran McCauley maybe sticks out a wee bit, uh, considering he's he's not played every game for for Kelty at, um, at left back. So maybe a, a bit coming in for left field there. I don't know, but you probably couldn't argue argue too much with. Be most of the rest of the names that are on there. To be fair, when you look at the centre mid combo, that's the mid combo I had in my actual team of the season. 
uh, Declan Hughes and Lewis Hunter. So, um, just on the basis that I don't want to argue too much, <laughs> trying to say this justifies what I said. Um, but the one thing I would say is it's good to see Ruru Payton um, getting acknowledgement because yep. playing for Gala, you don't always get the uh, you don't always get the kind of attention or respect you deserve. I don't think for putting in good performances, and he's clearly managed to bridge that gap, and he's been absolutely brilliant on loan for them. So, um, congratulations to him. For me, uh, Kieran McCauley was obviously Bridey. Uh, Scott uh, Scott McBride came in uh, later, uh, you know, the second half of the season, and then Kier kind of went back down to under twenties. But certainly, when he's came into the first team, Kev, you'll know you'll know this yourself. He's he's been fantastic. I think he's was a wee bit hard done by when Scott Brown, uh, Scott McBride came in, uh, but you know, Scott Bright, McBride, experienced player, uh, East Fife and league football, so it was always always going to be a tough one. Uh, but having said that, Kieran McCauley just won the Conference A with the under twenties. He uh, was playing in the the five 0 game against uh, Newton Grange Star. That was all uh, that I was at Friday night. Um, obviously, we've got to congratulate Spartans on winning Conference B. Uh, myself and Sean, we've been to a few under twenties games. I don't know about you guys, but I think the under twenties games is, have been sometimes uh, you know as enjoyable as the the senior games I've been to. Uh, don't ask me how many games I've been to overall this season because uh, I've lost count and uh, under twenties and and senior football. But we've got to congratulate the Kelty boys and obviously the Spartans guys, uh, some of which we've seen playing for the first team as well, uh, similar to Kelty. Yeah, I did catch uh, I did catch a few of the uh, the twenties games right at the back of the start of the season. I suppose when it was still nice evenings and stuff like that. I think I got. Maybe getting soft in my old age, I didn't venture out too much when it was, uh, <laughs> through the winter months uh, and stuff like that. Mainly because it's you know it's it's more difficult difficult for me taking pictures when it's dark and you don't get the same um, the same quality of image. So that's my excuse. <laughs> uh, it's nothing to do with the fact that it's too cold outside. So I I saw a few of the twenties games at the start of the season and certainly for uh, from a county perspective, you kind of knew even way back then. Uh, September, October time that, that there were going to be uh, a side that would take a bit of beating for, uh, yeah. for the young guys. Omni Shambles discuss. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to jump in. You know my views already. Um, a few weeks back, I had a a wee rant, didn't I? Um, and it's kind of gone for there, but it's just a disgrace. It's it's an utter disgrace that a club like Bonnie Rig, not just like. Take it to one side, the, the rejection of the licence is one thing. But if you know they're going to get turned in for a licence and are one of three teams in the playoffs, the other two teams are going to get their licence, why wait till the first working day after the playoffs have finished to say, oh, well done, by the way, you aren't getting up? Why do that? It's an utter shambles. And whoever's in charge of the, this side of things, the SFA should be hanging their head in shame for it. Um, now, the other thing, obviously, in terms of why they've had their licence rejected... They threw in this uh, requirement for floodlights um, for the entry-level licence after all these Easter Scotland teams had signed up and paid their their 10 grand or whatever it is to essentially start the process. I don't know any business in the world that can get away with saying, oh, give us this down payment and we're going to change the rules after we've taken your money and get away with it in a court of law. So I hope the SFA have covered their backsides because if not, they could be in for a world of pain for all these clubs that didn't know they were going to have to get floodlights and now they're being told that's the case. But roads are getting them installed in the next two months. 
So even if you're saying they've not got them right now, and that's the only reason, why wouldn't you give the same privilege you've given to Whitehill Welfare, the same privilege you've given to civil service strollers and say, look, we know you're a well-run club. We know you're good for it. You're going to get a year or so to put plans in place to get floodlights. Why should clubs like that be given that kind of, like, not advantage, but given that time to get themselves sorted? Whereas clubs that have only just been had, they've only just had this thrown at them recently, and I include Eliza Camlin in this as well. If you know they're getting plans in place, or like Rose have already got them in place and it's happening, how can you possibly justify not giving that club a licence? It's an utter nonsense. Bonnie Rigg would be a really good addition to the to the Lowland League. Um, along with, with Kelty, they were probably the two standout sides in the last few seasons of the Super League. Uh, and certainly this year, since they've they've moved into the East of Scotland um, Conference B, um, they've been streets ahead of everybody else in, in that conference. Um, so I, I know there is still a bit of criteria to be met um, in terms of um, eligibility for the, the Lowland League, but I think we could assume that um, that is probably all going to fall into place um, uh, in time for next season. So uh, I would certainly think if, if they are able to, and I th- certainly the um, they look to be in the box seat in Conference B. I can't see anybody catching them now. Um, they only need, I think, five point, points from their last five games uh, to, to make it into the, the, the playoffs. Um, so I, I think if they if they are able to uh, to get through that and make it into the Lowland League, then I think you could see uh, Bonnie Rigg making the same sort of impact in the league that Kelly have made. Uh, you were there, Sean. It was East Kilbride versus Bonnie Rigg Rose in the South Challenge Cup final at Megaland. Do you want to take us through the game, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um... I should say it was uh, East Kilbride against Bonnie Rigg Rose um, in the South Challenge Cup final. It was a pretty quiet first half, but I find it to be quite entertaining despite the lack of goals and at points um, the lack of chances. Uh, both keepers, I think, played really well. Both both made some really good saves in the first half. And then, well, to be honest, in those 30 first sort of 70, 75 minutes as well, although there weren't chances, there was a few standout performances um, Sean Winter had a few chances playing down the wing um, for Bonnie Rigg uh, the Ross Gray um, he played outstanding and there was a few was definitely definitely a, a Bonnie Rigg crowd that were at the game and there was a bit of disappointment when he got taken off uh, towards the end of the game and again Dean Brett had a, a really good uh, game at the back for, for Bonnie Rigg but it did take until the 75th minute for the scoring to open. And to be honest, from 75th minute on, it was quite an entertaining game. Um, there was obviously three goals in there and there was also some drama at the end as well. So it, it kind of kicked off with a 75th minute goal from um, BJ Call. He was the quickest to react after a free kick. Um, from distance, it rattled off the crossbar. Uh, defender... Um, then headed at home to, to give the only champions the advantage didn't last long though as Bonnie Rigg came flying back and after 80 minutes it was Lee Curry um, really good free kick that he managed to call in to, to bring it back to 1-1 3 minutes later uh, was BJ Call again fired home with his second of the game with just, just over 5 minutes remaining that was it as far as goals um, it was East Kilbride that went off 2-1 winners 
Um, after that second goal, though, Bonnie Rigg didn't didn't give up and they were still pushing for that extra goal. It got a little bit heated towards towards the end and there was a couple of red cards. This, uh, Lee Curry and Dean Brett both both uh, red carded for what just seemed to be dissent. Uh, apparently it's a, a referee that's got a bit of reputation for not liking um, to get questioned very much. <laughs> Although I'm not sure how much Dean Brett would have been questioning him. This is quite up in his face, to be honest, <laughs> um, before he got... He got sent off a bit, bit heated in those last sort of fifteen twenty minutes. But overall, it was you know it was a really good game to watch, um, despite the fact that they're separated by an entire league. Um, the two sides, yeah, they were very evenly matched, and they both had their chances. Um, both put on a show for the fans, despite the lack of goals in that first seventy five minutes. But no, it was a, a really good game to to be at. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Bit of a ding dong battle between two teams that probably don't have as much difference between them as the league tables would suggest. We'll obviously get into Bonnie Rig later on uh, in this podcast, no doubt, but uh, in terms of the Lowlands. But if you put them in the Lowland this year, you'd expect them to be top half. Yep. So, yeah, they've had a cracking season themselves. Uh, they're probably their little Achilles heel from what we've seen in the cup competitions does tend to be when they're chasing a game at the end of it and red cards tend to start flying. Um, but otherwise, sounds like great entertainment if the if the fans were able to kind of last through to the final 10-15. Um, and well done to Kelby, because we had, obviously they were a bit down on themselves after the, the Cove Rangers playoff game. And uh, Stuart Malcolm didn't know if he was still going to be in the job. There was just a wee bit of an atmosphere of, kind of well, sadness, I guess, uh, around the camp. But... Managed to dispel that, bounce back. Mal's been kept on. That's the other thing you know. So they're going into next season on a high rather than a low as a result of this cup win. And that could be vital, especially with everything that's going on just now and over the summer. Start with the under-20s game that me and you were at, Sean. So obviously uh, it was for the league title, if you will. Uh, Spartans ran out 3-0 winners against Kelty Hearts. Goals from Joe Tate and Cameron Dawson before the break, and a fitting finale for captain Mikey Allen uh, sealed the win for Spartans. Yeah, they won the Development League and their third piece of silverware inside a week. The man of the match for us was uh, Isaac Mackey. Sean, I think we both agreed that he, he played really well. He was solid and involved in a lot of the movement going forward, kind of unsettling uh, Kelty a wee bit, but uh, it was between him and I think Mikey Allen had a, a brilliant game, his, his last game as captain for Spartans under-20s. But uh, for the stats, it was 40 games, 22 clean sheets, which I noticed uh, Chris Pedden said only the 22. <laughs> 167 goals scored and 33 conceded. So, yeah, uh, massive well done to Spartans. Uh, fantastic. When I seen them, obviously I got a wee bit of stick from uh, Muzz Hand, but, you know, quite rightly. Uh, Development League Conference A champions, Development League uh, overall champions, League Cup winners, Knockout Cup winners. Yeah, uh, we'll probably speak uh, a wee bit more about the under-20s, probably not in this episode. I don't really think Spartans or Kelty were both at their best, in all honesty. Uh, It was a bit of a a weird game. I've certainly seen Kelty uh, play better. They were missing a a few guys, but uh, similarly to to Spartans as well, because I was was speaking to Josh Wishart's dad, and he was saying, you know, similar, but... Overall, uh, Spartans, I think, more than deserved uh, winners of the game, certainly. Yeah, I think over the, the 90 minutes, they were definitely the, the more dominant side. Um, both both sides have had a, 
a brilliant year, I think, at the under-20s level. Um, but, yeah, in this game in particular, I think Spartans were just, yeah, they were a bit more structured on the day, mm-hmm. caused a lot of problems for for Kelly, I think, um, caused them to come out of position quite a bit. And and like you say, uh, Mackey was, yeah, he caused a lot of problems. I think he was just quite, he was a bit too quick for, for the, the guys at the back for Kelly on the day. But, yeah, well, well deserved win in the end, but, but both sets of under twenty should be should be very happy with how their seasons went because they both both sides done tremendously well over the the season. I think on the Lowland League, uh, where I see the, the things that, that go on, uh, particularly here at the football club, there's so many people I could name that this club wouldn't run if it wasn't for the the, the people behind the scenes that that make sure the game goes on on a Saturday, that that make sure that uh, the end of season dance runs smoothly, uh, that programmes are printed every week, uh, that the gates are open and there's somebody there to tell it's somebody through a turnstile. They're the lifeblood of every club. You know, the players go out in the park and they perform and they do what, what they do. Um, but again, there's, there's there's so many of them in, in every club. There isn't a club that you, you, you couldn't yep. look at in this league. Um, and even what, what you guys do, you know, uh, with the Lonely Catch-Up, if there wasn't somebody like yourselves doing this, then, as I said to you earlier on, you know, you need to have that that outlet where, where there's somewhere we can have conversations like this, where it gets out into the media as to what's actually taking place within yeah. the league itself. So we we need all these kind of people involved in, in various aspects of the club. So um, yeah, I, I think you're right. In what you're saying is there's too many to to, to mention. Yeah, name, definitely. You yeah. know, within any within any club, you just I wouldn't like to sit there and say. How many people there are that, that make sure that clubs run, and and I, what I'll maybe highlight on is um, when Selkirk left the Lowland League, mm-hmm. and the devastation that I actually caused to not to just the playing staff, but to all the people who had been yeah. you know been involved with that club over the years, because all of a sudden their whole life came to an end, because everything that they were and and wanted to be was associated with Selkirk Football Club. Uh, and I know that I spent time with with some of the, the uh, directors and, and, and backroom staff uh, from a pastoral point of view. Um, at at the end of uh, the, the you know yeah. the other demise. So um, as it, it means everything to them, these these you know the clubs that you are involved with yourselves, um, and the fans are passionate about that. And to see a club, you know, disappear. Uh, out of our league, uh, even as a, a an opposing team, it's not nice. It's not no. nice at all to think that that club will never, never be able to play a game of football again, and that the fans will never have the opportunity to go and see them again. And that's tough, really tough. Uh, we obviously want to thank everyone that listens, the players, the the managers, the clubs, everyone that really gets involved, uh, and uh, obviously to the league and George Fraser for their support also. And we'll see you next week. See you later.